Good morning, everyone. John 3.16. What a wonderful song to sing. I wonder what the Bible would be like if it wasn't there. Wow, what a nugget of gold. What a, a hub of all, of the Holy Bible. All revelation flows out of John 3.16 and flows back into John 3.16, centered in the great love of God for all of us. Amen. For the last four, four Sundays, two in June and the final one here in July, I have been invited to be a, a pulpit guest for Elam Chapel for the summer months, and I, I've been highly honored by that invitation. I want to thank the leadership for your confidence in the invitation to me. I'm joined by my wife today, who turns a young 70 tomorrow. There's nothing you can say to that, is there? Just a happy birthday, <laughs> right? Join me with you, with you for a quick, uh, significant pastoral prayer, shall we? Father in heaven, we bring to you our fears. We bring to you our failings. We bring to you our families. And ask that you would breathe your grace, your goodness, into these very things that are so personal and real to us. We confess that we need you, that without you we can do nothing of any eternal consequence. We ask you, Lord, that you would fill our hearts today. We invite you, Holy Spirit, to come into this sanctuary, and may the words that we speak today be words of life and hope. We ask these things through Christ our Lord and in his name. Amen. The cave of Adullam, a place where David went to hide. And on the next slide, the question is asked. And on the next slide, the question is asked. Okay. How does a man so brave in chapter 17 when he killed Goliath find himself hiding in a cave? In chapter 22. Uh, what a difference five chapters can make. Huh? I think it would be absolutely wonderful if we could kill Goliaths every day. If we would be giant slayers Sunday to Sunday and every day in between. But life doesn't happen like that, does it? Life comes with a conflict in the calendar. Some months are, are good months, and some months, uh, not so good. Some months we are so brave, other months we hide in a cave. It's because life doesn't come with an every day a good day kind of policy. Like that organ... There's some days better than others. How many people have had some days better than others? There's six of you. (laughs) Can't just put his hand up twice. (laughs) All right. We've all 
had our times in Adullam. Let's go to the next slide. David, in pursuit of a crown, finds himself in a cave. When the oil was flowing from the from the hand of King Saul, uh, of the prophet Samuel down over the shepherd's brow, uh, he had his heart all engaged for a crown. But he didn't realize that his journey would sometimes bring him to a cave. Have you ever just wanted to disappear? Have you ever just wanted to find a hole in the ground and jump in it and pull the hole in after you? Has life ever been tough? I know because I'm talking to human beings just like me that the answer is yes. That we all have souls that chase us and pursue us. Some days our dreams feel like they're on a life support system and things are, to say the least, challenging. After my message last Sunday, I had a a lady come up to, to me and talk to me maybe about three minutes and told me some of her journey. And I said, oh my, sitting here looking at her in the service, I didn't know, but she'd spent several months in this kind of a confinement of life, in a cave-like experience. Yesterday, all my troubles seemed so far away. Somebody ought to write a song, don't you think? There are times when the cave feels so comfortable. There's some times when you just don't want company. You can't live there. You can't stay there. But perhaps this morning, I know I'm talking to some people who have slain the giants and sometimes you're fearful that you're not going to make it all the way to your destiny, to the crown. So I thought I'd give us some directions for cave survival. We've all been cap- captivated by the caves of Thailand in which these little kids and their coach were heroically rescued. We, we prayed for them, didn't we? Well, the first thing you need to know that when you're in a cave, that you can't survive the cave alone. Even though there might be a tendency to roll a stone in front of the cave and seal it and threaten anyone that comes near you. We need people in our lives. Especially when things get tough. And so we read in, uh, in the story of, of David at Adullam in chapter uh, 22. This is how it opens. 
David therefore departed from there and escaped to the cave of Adullam. So when his brothers and all his sisters and all his father's house heard it, they went down there to him. I don't think there's any substitute for family, do you? To have that knock at the door, to have the phone ring or the tweet or the email or the connect with you and just want you to know you're, you're not alone. How about a coffee? And they come to the cave where you feel so crushed and so frightened. But you need family, people who know your story. Everybody does. We all need family, people who still believe in your destiny and still believe in you, still believe in your dreams, still believes in the God who believes in you. We all need family in our lives. People who won't give up on us when when we want to give up on ourselves. Have you got someone in your life like that? Someone that loves you if you're wearing the crown or loves you if you're in the cave? Loves you if you're hunting down Goliath or whether Saul is hunting you down? Someone like that? If you are, you're blessed. So the first thing we need to know when we're in the cave that we can't survive the cave alone, even though we might want to. The second thing we need to learn on the next slide is remember where you've come from. Remember where you've come from. Here in in Samuel 22 and verse 3, this is what happened. David went from there to Mizpah of Moab, and he said to the king of Moab, please let my father and mother come here with you till I know what God will do for me. So he brought them before the king of Moab, and they dwelt there with him all the time that David was in the stronghold. He connected with his roots. He connected to his mom and dad. He didn't isolate himself. And more than just his mother, his mother and his father... He took them to the land of Moab. I wonder why Moab. I think Moab was in the family tree, wasn't it? Wasn't there a lady by the name of Ruth who came from Moab? Although she came without covenant, the only contact she had was her grieving mother-in-law, but somehow she made her way to the fields of Boaz and entered into the lineage of Jesus Christ himself. And so I think the stories of Moab ran very deep within David. The little town of Bethlehem, we just think of it at Christmas time, how still we see thee lie, but it runs deep into the scriptures. This house of bread, Bethlehem. I always get it wrong. My, my wife's much better at this than I am. Figuring out, is it my grandmother, my great-grandmother, my great-great-grandmother, my great-great-great... I get mixed up with that. I got some pictures on my wall of my home of my grandfather, my great-grandfather. I think my great-great-grandfather. 
but David had this root, it went back, I put down, um, you Bible scholars can do the genealogy on this, but it, I got here, his great, great grandmother. The generations that ran deep into his story. That he said, I, I, I'm, not a tumbly, I'm not a tumbleweed soul. I've got some roots within me. I got some family ties here. I got some things, a history that I can draw on. I've got a great, great grandmother who, who knew the God of Israel. My family is five generation Christian. I can't remember all five generations. But I remember my grandmother uh, in her 90s walking up the stairs gripping the railing saying darling Jesus darling Jesus that's some I don't know why that is etched in my mind so when I'm in a cave and things are going tough I remember the faithfulness of God from generation to generation to generation. And I know the same God that brought my grandmother and my mom and my dad and my older brothers. They're, I'm the only one left. They're all in heaven now. But the same God that was faithful to my family is faithful to me. That he will not forsake me when I'm in a cave. Nor will he forsake you. I had, I, I had the great privilege of having my, and my wife as well, both of our parents, pray for us every day of our lives. Or every day of their lives, I should say. They would speak our names. I have a Bible with my dad's name on it and some scriptures that he underlined that meant to him and some notes on the margin. You're not alone. You might think you are, but family's there. Maybe not even flesh and blood family, but God deliberately brings people into our lives who knows our story, who loves us, who's there to help us. So you can't survive the cave alone. Number two, remember where you've come from. And number three is reestablish your spiritual connections when you're in the cave. Reestablish your spiritual connections when you're in the cave. To that, I want to go to uh, Psalm 142. And the caption of Psalm 142 reads... A contemplation of David, a prayer when he was in the cave. This is a cave song. What do you do when you're in the cave? Now, you've just blessed a pastor's heart. I I, I thought I heard ever so slightly the turning of Bible pages. Did, Did I hear that? That was cool. I, I did hear the flashing lights of, a, of an iPhone. I'm assuming you're going to Biblegate or somewhere. 
But Psalm 142 is the song of David written while he was in a cave. How do you survive the cave? The first thing I consider is music. Come with me to the darkness and dampness of the cave of Adullam. It's the kind of a cave that gets arthritis in your bones. You know? And in the darkness and dampness of that cave, David sat down. And he began to stir his heart. Poetry was set to music. Have you ever been in a dark place, in a cave-like place, and a song was birthed? A song came into your mind and it helped you? Maybe it was amazing grace. Maybe it was what a friend we have in Jesus. Maybe it was, you know. Dr. Robert Schuller, who is uh, one of my, the modern heroes that I, I have profound respect for, the grandfather who's now with Christ. He, I believe he was in Korea when he got word that his daughter had fallen off a horse and her leg had to be amputated. And he, his heart, his father's heart said, I've got to get to California. I've got to get to my girl. I've got to connect with her. So he jumped on a plane and he was flying across the ocean to come back to California. And Dr. Shuro tells the story of when he was in that little cubby hole they call a washroom in the plane. He could hardly turn around. He sat down and he said he, he was going, ah, ah. And halfway across the waters, he said, I turned the ah into a hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Sometimes when you're in the cave, music can give you a hallelujah. Music can refocus. Get it? Not only about music here, but I noticed it was prayer. In Psalm 142 and 1, I cried out to the Lord with my voice. With my voice to the Lord, I, I make my supplication. He prayed. I'm not going to belabor this a lot this morning, but wow. How many people have developed a prayer life in a cave? I must tell Jesus, I must tell Jesus, I cannot bear these burdens alone. In my distress, he kindly will help me. He ever loves and cares for his own. The good news is that he's the Christ of the cave. That he draws near to your place of isolation and pain and loss. You can talk to him. I talk, talk to a lot of people in an addiction program. I'm a chaplain at the Salvation Army downtown as well. Been there about 19, 20 years. And every once in a while I'll tell them that I think religion, yeah, not so much. But I think God 
And his son Jesus is the coolest thing going. Isn't that cool? You can pray to him from the cave. You're not always going to be in a cathedral. You're not always going to be slaying giants. But right where you are, at the point of your pain, he's there to give you a song in the night. He's there to hear your prayer. We're going to go to the next slide. Perspective. In uh, Psalm 142 and, and verse 3 and 4. When my spirit was overwhelmed within me, then you knew my path in the way in which I walk. They have secretly set a snare for me. Look on my right hand and see, for there is no one who acknowledges me. Refuge has failed me. No one cares for my soul. I think that extremities in life can't be trusted. There are voices that speak to you when you're in the dark, damp places that you cannot trust. There are lies that come into your life when you're going through hard times that says, no one cares. I'm all alone. God doesn't know where I am. Let me tell you, Jesus cares. Turn around to somebody or beside them and say, hey, don't forget Jesus cares. Now, you can do that. Don't, Jesus cares. Jesus cares. Know where you are. You know? Own your cave. David didn't say, Oh, I'm not in a cave. I got a crown. You know, I can still feel the anointing of the oil on my life. Uh, Sometimes it's okay to be real, sometimes it's okay to be honest. I use that sometimes with tongue in cheek. There is this sense of uh, the word of faith theology that has taken over many churches. I I do believe in the word of faith. I do believe that I believe in a positive lifestyle and positive confession. All these things are true. But I do not believe that positive confession rises to the level that we deny reality. I was talking to a fellow some time ago, and he said, you know, uh, negative confession always brings negative results. And I said, oh, where, where do you find that in the Bible? I said, I found that I found that negative confession can bring positive results. He said, what do you mean? I said, well, it says, confess your faults one to another, that you will be healed. You know? Confess your sins, and you'll be the God who is just and faithful will Forgive us and cleanse us from all of our sins. I said, so positive results can come from a negative confession. And he said, oh, brother, he said, that's, that's positively negative. He was from Ireland. You know. But it's okay to say, life right now is 
I was going to say stinks, but I, I thought I was at the booth center for a minute. Can I use the word stink here? Sometimes life stinks. Number four, know who God is. In verse number five, I cried out to you, O Lord. I said, you are my refuge, my portion in the land of the living. Attend to my cry, for I'm brought very low. Deliver me from my persecutors. They are stronger than I. Bring my soul out of prison. Know your God. The God that I know is a mighty refuge. A mighty fortress. A strong deliverer. We sing the chorus sometimes. You are my rock in times of trouble. You lift me up when I fall down. All through the storms. Your love is an anchor. Amen? Yeah. These are some directions for cave survival. Let me rush to another point. In 1 Samuel 22 and 2, that's on the next slide, it says, Then others began coming, men who were in trouble or in debt, or who were just discontented, until David became the captain of 400 men. Do you know that God can use your cave as a very means and method to save others? That he went in a captive, but he came out a captain. He went in alone, but he came out with 400 men. Hello? He went in hunted by men, but he came out leading men. You can find your destiny in a cave. Isn't that great? Isn't that good news? That the grave that was going to swallow you up and leave you there with broken dreams can be a place where dreams are rebirthed and new beginnings can begin again. In the book of Genesis on the next slide, the story is told of Joseph. I'm not going to repeat it because we all know the story of Joseph and his brothers. He ended up, or he started out in a pit put there by his brothers. And he ended up in a palace. You see, your cave is not your grave. I've come here this morning, not necessarily, just with a simple little message for you. You are going to make it. Hear me. You are going to make it. Wow. The cave is not going to be your grave. We're going to go to this thing that I call the last slide. When people get to the last slide, they usually get happy in my church. That pastor at one. Okay. 
Now, don't get too happy. Go back to the slide, would you? Who is this guy? Hello? <laughs> How many times has God brought his people to the crown? Through a cave. He did expect to take that trip. You thought it was a side trip, a detour. And you've, if given a choice, you would not logically choose it. But God is sovereign in his plan and his purpose over your life. He is able to take you to where you need to be from your now to your next. From your disappointment to your destiny. Our God is able to bring you to the crown. Even if he has to bring you through a cave. And if you look real closely... You're squinting now? Look at the cave of Adullam. Over top of the entrance of that cave is etched these eternal words. For we know that all things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. What they meant for evil in Joseph's life, God planned for good. And I don't know how he does it. And I don't know how he's going to do it for you. But mark this well. No matter what you're going through right now, God will bring something good out of it for your good and for his glory. Let's applaud a God, the God of the caves. Amen. Amen.